Abby. And I'm Allie. And it's about time for true crime. Hey. Hi. How are you? Good. Happy January. Happy 2024. Woohoo! How'd you guys celebrate the new year? What'd you do? Um, as we record this, we are not quite there yet, but my goal is to be in my fat pants early with a cat in my lap. I love fat Glass pants and wine. cats. Ooh. And whoever yes. wants to come hang out can come hang out. That's really pretty much it. It is like love last it. year. <laughs> last year, my friend came over. We stayed up. We were like, great. We did it. Yep. Okay. What do you want to watch? Shit's Creek or yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, great. Cool. Okay. Good night. <laughs> yeah. See you later. <laughs> we just had such a chill in my old age. Yes. In, in my your ripe old age of your mid 20s. In my ripe uh, quarter life crisis. It just appeals to me so much less to be like, let's go out. Like, I'm not a drinker. Same. I'm not. I'm always the DD. So like <laughs> yep. New Year's Eve to me was always like, okay, I'm holding this one's hair and this one lost a shoe and this one like, yep. and I'm going to be driving and nope, you can't sit like that. Nope's upright with your seatbelt on. Yes, Come your seatbelt on. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm, seatbelt. Did I hear that click? Seatbelt. Okay. And here's some water. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you drink the water. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? And not that I dislike that but sometimes it gets old and if you just want to damn it i worked hard bought a house i'm going to enjoy it sit in my fat pants yes (laughs) a bottle of wine my roommate and i (laughs) the first year that we lived together it was like peak covid and so for new year's we both got dressed up we put on little dresses we did our makeup and then we stood in the living room with fuzzy socks on and we just like watched random shit hell yeah and drank wine and we were like this is one of the best new years because you still get the fun you still get to be like oh like i'm getting like there's an event i'm getting dressed up and then it was like oh i'm already here like let me grab some wine i love it It i so good i so prefer like a friendsgiving type of night than a rager go to a club kind of night also again i'm like five feet tall so i'm getting stepped on i can't yeah. see anything if there's like anything to see if there's a fight if there's anything <laughs> anything interesting going on it takes one person who's five foot four to stand in front of me and i'm done yep i'm getting nothing okay she's out yep that's why i put you on my little shoulders yeah yeah so <laughs> unless that's the situation i don't know like when we did uh what was it last year we did a friendsgiving yeah and we did a PowerPoint night. Oh, I love a PowerPoint night. And that was so fun because I did, what did I do? I did all of the animals I would cuddle if they wouldn't kill me. Yes. I think that's oh. when I did my cat's DSM-5 diagnoses. Yes. Yeah. Can you tell that she's a psych girl? Uh, uh, can you tell my cat's fucked? Yeah. I love him. I love him so much. But he's a little bastard. But he's my little bastard. He really is. But you know what? He is growing and he is... Wait, pod developing. Did I tell you that Newton sits on my lap now? I don't know if you've shared that, but yeah, and he doesn't even like her hands are healed. Yes. Like he has not bit her in so long. No bites. And he'll he'll sleep on me and he'll have little dreams and like twitch a little on my lap. And I'm like, I you are you're so precious, I'm gonna cry. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh that's Newton Corner. Uh, also in cat sleeping on me corner is Allie's new kitten, Ollie. Well, a little bit new now. He's been here, what, four months now? Three months? Oh. Three, three months. Buddy. Yeah. He's still my little baby, though. Yeah. Well, 
he also has slept in my lap and Mia snuggled with me. So like, really? My cats adore Abby. I think that's because she's like the third roommate. Like like, she's always here. I am a lot. Pay rent. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) But like my cats love her. Like, oh, oh, Abby's here. Great. Like auntie's here. Cool. Now sit down so I can lay in your lap. Yeah. They're so good. You've got good kitten. I'm you very got good kids. Oh yeah, I'm very lucky. Yeah. I love them so much. My little snuggle bugs. Can you tell we love cats here too? That's why <sighs> our logo literally has two cats on it. Yeah. If you were wondering. Just in case. But I wanted to talk a little bit about today's case. Ooh. Because today's case is gonna be short, but it's gonna have some space for us to sort of chat and like check in and give you a little CJ girly corner update. Mm-hmm. So Skipper, stop skipping. Hello, it's time. Hey. You here? Okay, good. We're going. Okay. So, (laughs) pod's on. Today, I wanted to talk about a New Year's murder that happened six years and one day ago, the day this came out. Ooh. Or as of the day this comes out, you know? Today, I wanted to talk about the life and death of Betty Willis. It's sad and horrendous, but an important reminder as to why we here at ATFTC will always advocate for equality amongst victims. This is one of those cases where because of the status of the victim at the time of her death, it just really didn't get any publicity. It didn't get a lot of talk. I have almost an entire page of sources that I will link below. They all say the same five fucking facts. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. There's yeah. nothing else on this. It's so terrible. It took forever to be heard. It was heard in 2023. Wow. So it took some fucking time. And I just want to talk about it because no victim is less dead because of where they live or their hygiene or their mental health or their physical health. They're still a full human. They're still a full being. They had a full life behind them. They would have had a full life ahead of them. And that was robbed. And so that's what we're here to talk about. But I do really want to push to raise just more awareness for cases like this in general. And again, if you wanted to read all my sources, you totally can. I've linked them all in the show notes. But just to name a few, I use True Crime Daily, Billboard, CBS, Fox, ABC, and I was even even able to find a few of the court transcripts as well. Ooh. But it's a new year. It's a new case. Let's jump into it. Let's do it. Today we're talking about a woman by the name of Betty Jane Willis. That's a very pretty name. If anyone in your family is a music buff or super into like R&B and soul and was... Mm, alive or and or collecting records in the 60s you have probably heard betty willis Ooh. she was she was in the music scene around this time she started in the 60s and she had like nearly a brush with fame (laughs) okay she wasn't quite like pop star she wasn't a taylor swift of her day but she was on tracks with some very well-known R&B and soul singers at the time. She's done some amazing duets. She's known for her songs like Someday You'll Need My Love, her cover of Act Naturally and Take My Heart. But we'll back up a little because Betty wasn't always Betty Willis, you know? Betty was one day just Betty when she was born on March 10th, 1941. And much like our case last week, she was born in Missouri. 
Missouri. Missouri. So when Betty was two, though, her family moved to Fresno, California. In her early adulthood, Betty moved to Los Angeles, like that area in the 1960s. And this is when she started singing in these late night clubs. She has a beautiful voice. And if I can find a recording that is not copyrighted that I can put in here, I absolutely will. But if not, look it up. She's on YouTube. It's so good. But Betty had been singing in these late night clubs when a man named Bill Medley, who was starting in his career heard about Betty and Bill was a part of a duo. I believe it was the Righteous Brothers, but they were also big around this time. So like many people, Bill pretty immediately fell in love with Betty's voice. He called her quote unquote, a real talent and a sweet woman. And keep in mind, you know, this is the 1960s in the South. So there's definitely some civil rights movements going on. There is some racial inequality that they're fighting against as a whole. And I'm sure that that played a part in some of Betty's music career. Mm-hmm. While I don't know the depth of it and I don't know all of it to say the very least, I can imagine that it was a pretty hard time to be a single black woman making a career in music at a time where you'd be lucky if you got credit on the vinyl that you were on. Right. And so while I believe that most of us have heard her voice, I very much doubt that many of us know that we've heard her voice because she barely gets recognition for the tracks that she is the sole singer on, let alone any background work, any other musical like collaborations that she did. Right. So I think it's fair to say even though she had a quite near brush with fame, she's a pretty common voice to hear. Hmm. But her voice is beautiful. Betty and Bill actually recorded a duet together, but it was never released. But because she was now doing music with someone who was a little more famous, a little more well-known, this attracted the attention of producers and executives and music industry reps. So they'd have her come in, she'd pay to do some recording time, and then, you know, you just see what happens. Right. And that's what it was at the time. It was nowhere near the industry it is today. But the problem here was that Betty did not want to be in the music industry. Betty just wanted to sing. Betty loved her career as a singing artist for soul and R&B, and she was just kind of fed up with the whole industry of it all i mean she was so talented and personally i really like her rendition of act naturally it's got horns it's got the vinyl sound she's got like this insane range and also like the perfect little grit to her voice it's just good i'm looking at photos of her and she is just so beautiful she really is and I think I'm biased, too, because I love that, like, 50s, 60s style and all of that. And she just looks, oh, I love it. She's got the best smile. And there aren't a ton of photos of this, but according to the people that were really close with her, actually, she was very kind. She was very friendly. That was widely known. But she was also sassy. And she was the kind of sassy where, girl, she'd wear those sunnies inside and she'd be like what do you have to say to me (laughs) i love it i know girl commanded a room so she was just so talented and so sweet but at some point i believe she was supposed to go on tour in africa Mm -hmm. and it got fucked up because of some stupid mistaken paperwork oh no and for her she was like okay that's it you know i'm done 
and so she didn't pursue her musical career further. In part, I think she was frustrated with the industry of it all. And in part, Betty was a single woman who was pregnant and she was craving stability that an entertainment career just does not provide. And you're not going to get a stable environment if you're pregnant and you're going to a different continent in a place that you don't know. Yep. Where you're performing... And you're constantly on the move because no entertainer goes to one spot and stays there. No, that's not that's not how you grow your quote unquote business. Right. No. And if you're going if you're flying all the way to another continent, you're not doing that to go and stay in one spot. You're doing right. that to try to reach as many audiences as you can. Right. And you're not doing that. And if you're seven months pregnant, you it's, have more important things on your mind. <laughs> yeah. And also for your health and also probably mm-hmm. resting because you're growing a fucking human. Right. You got some shit to do. You're busy. And when I say, by the way, her quote unquote business, I consider entertainment more of a service, but that is a business. So I don't want anyone to think I'm undermining that. It's just. Yeah. When you're a performer, it's very interesting how you sort of talk about your craft in terms of capitalism, <laughs> but. All of that aside, as far as we know, Betty's last recording was in 1968. So her child, who she was pregnant with, Stephanie Willis, sweet little thing. She is there, by the way, still to this day for everything that has gone on with her mom in this case. But she was like, "Okay, so I know I need some stability. I know I need a change. What next? Well, what next was she said, okay, got to get on getting on. If the music career isn't doing the thing that I need it to do, I'll go be a factory worker. So that's what she did for a bit. I I think this was through the 70s, but it was in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s that Betty decided to make a switch. She said, I don't want to do factory work. I want to work for the post office. Yes, pension benefits. That hot bitch, respectfully, in the <laughs> post office with her little sunglasses on being like, next, what stamp you want today? Okay. And I love it. <laughs> Fun fact here. Somewhere in the 90s, she got a coworker, And I want to say his name was Andrew. Andy. Andy. I'm going to call him Andrew. I know it started with an A. <laughs> but he was like. Very talkative. And you know how the post office is set up? So you go in and like everyone's sitting in their own little booth and they're like just calling next as the line goes down. Mm -hmm. So there's like a divider in between some of them in different post offices. And the one in California was like this. So Betty had her little sunnies on. She's doing her paperwork. She's minding her own damn business. She's Mm -hmm. doing the damn thing. Mm -hmm. The guy next to her, new guy, Andy, he comes in. He's like, "Mm, no, I need to talk. I'm going to talk. Hey, What's up? Okay. And he chats Betty up and Betty's like, all right, new guy, we'll talk. (laughs) (laughs) She was pretty private, but she was friendly. And so she was talking to him about his life. It comes out that he's like a music collector. He loves music. And And she's she's like, okay, well, I'm a musician. She's like, oh, you know, I actually recorded a few, a few songs. And he was like, well, what do you mean? Like, you know, in the nineties, it could have been on on a mixtape. You never know. Right. And so she talked about a song she really loved. And he was like, oh my gosh, I love that. I have that on vinyl. And she was like, oh, no way. She was like, yeah, no, I did that. Like that was mine. And he goes, you're, you're Betty Willis. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh yeah, no one at the post office had any fucking idea. She ever had a music career. 
Wow. She never told anyone. I bet she'd just be like humming in the break room mm-hmm. and they're like they're like she's pretty good. She's got talent. Ooh. She could she could take that on the road. I don't know. And so Andy was like, "Sing for me." And she was like, "No, new guy. I'm not going to sing for you in the middle of this post office." And he finally convinced her to. And they had like this magical little like karaoke 90s movie moment. It was very cute. Oh. But that was her. Like she was sassy, right. she was friendly, but she wasn't out like flaunting everything she'd ever done right she had other priorities she had other things she cared about and so while she was working at the post office she was raising her daughter stephanie and they made a very beautiful little family for themselves Hmm. however our job picks up after this career so betty retired early i mean early in that it was in the 90s but it was after 37 years so she did her time she retired rightfully so After retirement, Betty was okay for a while. She was good. And while I'm not sure of the circumstances, Betty became homeless. Oh. According to Betty's daughter, Stephanie, and some of her friends, it seems like remaining unhoused was Betty's choice. She didn't want handouts. She wouldn't accept it if people said, like, oh, like, let's get you a small apartment. Like, we'll set you up. She just didn't want it. She wanted to be unhoused. It's not that she was unable to provide for herself, but rather choosing those circumstances in some capacity, which makes it less of a surprise that very little about Betty struck people as someone in the homeless community. Yeah. Betty was, other than those in the unhoused community around her and their knowledge of her, and the same doorstep that Betty slept in every night in front of a fabric store, the only other thing that would give away her homeless status was that she carried around a shopping basket that she kept some of her stuff in. But Betty was respectful. She made sure that she always felt the safest she could being outside. For example, that doorstep that she slept in every day. It's a family-owned fabric store. Betty actually approached the shop owner to get permission to sleep there. She said, hey, I want to sleep here. I will be mindful. I will not come in before the shop is closed and the customers are gone and I'll be gone before you open. But I want to sleep here because there are these cameras and it's well lit. Yeah. So she made a respectful agreement. I'm not going to destroy your property or anything. Right. Is it okay if I lie my head here at night? And he was totally fine with that. The shop owner was like, um, yeah. And actually, I feel safer with you here because every day the next day he'd get a report from her she'd be like oh my gosh this guy was being nutty outside but don't worry this i got was staking out your place and yeah wow so they had a very mutually beneficial arrangement here yeah and betty felt safe because no matter what there were people around it was well lit there were good cameras and it was residential near enough by yeah so she said okay this is good On top of that, Betty always made sure that she was polite and kind, and she always was clean and hygienic and friendly. Unfortunately, right here is where our story starts to go far from glamorous. A lot of the community knew Betty because she was kind and friendly and spent her time in her community. She'd get up, she'd go to a community center, she'd hang out with her friends, she'd be there for the people around her, and she still kept very close relationships with all of her family members. But really, I want to emphasize here that the stereotype that we have for a typical homeless individual did not fit Betty at all. She did not seem like 
a scary person. She wasn't unhygienic. She didn't fall into being homeless by chance. She, for whatever the circumstances were, which I'm not sure, decided that she preferred this. Her daughter would offer her to stay and she'd stay overnight once or twice and then she'd go right back to her doorstep. And then other friends and family would be like, let's get you a small apartment. She didn't want it. She didn't take the handouts. She wasn't unable to provide for herself. She was retired. She had a check coming every month, so she had income. She just chose to spend it her way. Right. And so I just, I think that's so important to know here because I think all of this gets lost the second the media comes into this. Mm -hmm. She was perfectly flawed in her own way. She was a person. She was allowed to have that range, but she was kind. She was respectful. She made sure she did right by those that helped her and were in her community and were in her family. Yeah. And what else can you really ask for? How is there not? People don't do that nowadays. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. So we're going to pick this up on the early morning of January 1st, 2018. In the early, early morning of January 1st, 2018, like around 4 or 4.15 a.m. Okay. So perhaps the late, late night of New mm. Year's, but 4 a.m. on January 1st. A witness who lived nearby went out to have a cigarette. And I can imagine it's f fucking cold. I mean, I know it's California, but you can't tell me that it doesn't get cold there at mm -hmm. night in yeah. the winter. And I imagine her sort of like huffing outside, lighting up her little ciggy and just sort of leaning back to be like, ah, all right, I'm going to go back to bed after this and call mm -hmm. it a night. But instead of being able to stomp out her little cigarette and head right up into her fat pants and go to bed, she heard screaming. Oh, my God. She heard intense screaming. She heard yells for help. And so this witness called 911. They, she said, hello, uh, something's going on. Yeah, someone needs to be here. And police got there within minutes. See, the problem is they showed up to the doorstep where... Betty typically lied happily asleep. But instead of lying asleep happily when they rolled up the dreadful morning of January 1st, they found a man on top of Betty with his pants down. Oh. And then he tried to run away when the police got there, hide behind a bush. They obviously saw him, went after him. He tried to climb a wall and didn't get away. He was apprehended the exact same night or morning, I guess. Wow. Literally caught him red handed. Yep. Again, this is at the very beginning of 2018. Rosendo Peck, a homeless man around the streets of California where Betty typically stayed, was a recent immigrant from Guatemala. Peck, a 22-year-old man, had been caught not only by the police, but by the surveillance cameras that were a part of the reason that Betty felt so safe in these places. And how old was Betty at this time? In her 70s, maybe 76. Oh. Yeah. And so I would have been friends with Betty. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. OK. Mrs. Abel Dabbleson can make friends with anybody anywhere. Hmm. She will come home and be like, oh, my new train friend. And I'm like, you took the train one time. Who's the new train friend? I love Mrs. Abel Dabbleson. Yes. And she would definitely do that. Yep. Betty would absolutely be a Mrs. Abel Dabbleson friend. She'd be at your Christmas. Yes. Yep. And I'd be like, bless up, Betty. Sing me a tune. I'll play the piano. <laughs> but... Peck 
had been caught on the same night and it was in fact the video footage that might have been the final nail in that coffin over five years later when Peck was still not formally convicted of this. How? See, before I get into all that, I do just want to quickly touch on Betty because we followed the line of the police, right? We get there. We see this man. He leaves. We go apprehend him. Mm -hmm. What about the woman lying down sleeping? Mm -hmm. Well, she was unresponsive and they did call emergency services like medic help to come as well. But she was pronounced dead on scene at 415 on January 1st, 2018, dying at the age of 76. So he, I'm assuming with his pants down, either assaulted her or tried to and he killed her. Yes. The sweet old lady. Yep. And he was 22 years old. Yes. So there's a 54-year difference between them. And this was 2018? Yep. This was not that long ago. So Betty's safe little doorstep at a family-owned fabric shop was a little world of peace for her most nights. However, it was quite nearby a local homeless encampment. And the night of the attack, or the early morning of the attack, Rosendo Peck approached a sleeping Betty, pulled off her blanket, and began to rape her. In the middle of the assault, Betty woke up and started to scream, asking for help and making any sound she could to draw attention to herself. Because Betty was a fucking fighter. Rosendo, in response, started beating her head and choking her in attempts to silence her. And this is ended. This is what ended up killing her. It was like strangulation and head trauma. Yes. And to an elderly... And I just can't... Like, my heart hurts so bad thinking about the trajectory here. Because Betty started out such a bright light that in one of the most difficult times for her to have and start and succeed in a music career, she's the one that chose not to. She had a beautiful family... She had priorities that she wanted to take care of, and she did that gracefully. And then she had the last third or so of her life and her retirement and her time outside where she spent it doing exactly what she wanted. She'd go get her hair done. She'd get her nails done with her daughter. She'd have nice time with her grandkids and see all of her friends, and she'd sleep outside under the stars. And maybe that was the reason that she liked it. I don't know. But all of that bookmarked on the end with the last memory you have of an assault of someone 50 years younger than you that you don't know Mm. and the reason that you died was trying to speak out for yourself personally i believe it probably would have happened either way if someone's going to do that to silence you but it's just heartbreaking so We're happy, happy, happy that within the exact same fucking day, even hour, that our offender was apprehended. But here's an issue that we run into, and that is the waiting game. Because as you may remember, this was not heard at trial until 2020 fucking three. And so. Well, you got COVID in the middle of that. Yeah. So after Rosendo was apprehended and charged with murder 
in the aggravated circumstance of it happening during a rape. Years went by before this trial even began. And there is a lot at play. So first and foremost, like you mentioned, COVID. COVID put a shit ton on hold. It really did. It fucked with the courts hard because you can't have people coming in. And then by the time you can have people coming in, you have all of those trials you were supposed to hear before COVID, plus all the ones that happened during COVID. And oh, yeah, there's still more happening now. Yes. So there was really this tidal wave. But personally, as someone who works in the criminal justice system, I've seen that wave. I've seen the floodgates open and I've seen them process. And now I've seen cases that happened a few months ago be processed. Mm -hmm. So at least where we are in the Northeast, we're sitting okay. And I'm sure that, yes, part of that is the amount of charges that you have to process and the amount of resources and time you have available. But that still leaves two years in between because this happened in 2018, early 2018. And COVID didn't happen... Well, it happened earlier, but at least in the States, it wasn't at its real peak until March of 2020. So that leaves two years. And I know what you're going to say, Abby, Abby, hold up. You bitch. Do you I not would never say that. Really understand that like prosecutors have to take time to craft an argument. And then on top of that, they have to make sure that the defendant has a solid public defender at, or defense attorney of their choosing and then you have to schedule it with everyone and get the judge on board it's just like a lot of paperwork like two years isn't that bad Mm. to which i say um it's not that much paperwork especially when you have police eyewitness testimony and video cameras all around you yeah there's significantly less um filling in the blanks you need to Mm -hmm. do and your argument crafting a lot less need for um painting that picture it's already painted (laughs) yeah that picture's been painted you just hit play yep and it'll yeah it'll go so that's an issue let's talk about the other issue here because the problem here is twofold obviously first why is there so little fucking attention on this it's a woman who released music that most people who were into any sort of soul music in the 60s have probably heard her voice Second of all, why is it taking so damn long? Because if Rosendo was innocent, that that's almost six years behind bars for what? Yeah, and it happens all the time. For Awful. what? Yeah. And so I want to talk about this. Obviously, COVID happened, yes. But the second thing I wanted to talk about is motions. Because as you may know, in the Constitution, we have the right to a fair and speedy trial yes um as you may also know or at least as the cj girlies know that's not anything that's not anything there's no rules on what fair and speedy is there speedy is meaningless and one of the biggest arguments that came out of covid in the criminal justice world that we saw all the time was defense actually having a leg to stand on to say my client has a right to a fair and speedy Mm -hmm. trial and it has been years what's this almost six years and so does it so then you weigh out does a global pandemic overstep your rights right the answer typically is no because if one thing 
can supersede your rights, then anything can supersede your rights. Then can, so can the flu. You know and what I mean? And then so can anything. And then so can... Uh, so... so Theoretically. Yeah. Th- yeah. Right. But there's that that possibility for that to snowball in a way. And so we had all of these people that were held, if they were held. And in COVID, we kind of saw a switch of things where almost nobody was held um, because they didn't want anybody in groups. And what is a jail or a prison? One big group. Giant Petri dish. And what (laughs) can't you really do? Social distance. And that was what was being preached. So those who were being held, it was like, so when am I going to get resolution? It was like, beats the shit out of me. I don't know. Yeah, Here's your meal. And so when you weigh into what you actually have rights to, how do we quantify? Like, sure, we can say speedy trial. Well, define speedy. Right. Is that two weeks? Is that six months? Is that six at least years? under two years? Is that What does that mean? Because if you say... If Amazon tells me speedy, mm-hmm. I'm thinking by tomorrow afternoon. Right. Right. My package will be here. If the government tells me speedy. It's a different story. That's a different story. Yep. And so I think that it's important to bring that up here because oftentimes, and just this is information for people. This is not necessarily a part of this case. But oftentimes when people take pleas or make some sort of arrangements with the court, there's often a waiver where they can sign away their right to a speedy trial, which I also think is funny because, okay, great. It would have taken the same amount of time anyway. And if you challenge it for being unconstitutional, they're going to say, where does it say that you went a day over the speedy limit? You have to have some pretty hard hitting evidence there. So I want to make that known. The other thing that delays trials, if you were wondering, is motions. So a motion is anytime pretty much anyone in the courtroom, the prosecutor, the defense attorney, or the defendant puts in a request for something. They file a motion. Well, our little man Rosendo loved motions. He was a man in movement, if you will. Um, (laughs) And by that, I mean he went through five or six different defense attorneys in the six years that it's taken. Great. Because also, you do have a right to a competent attorney representation, right? Correct. Particularly in cases where there is jail time and prison time that mm-hmm. you can be pr- like punished with. So he really liked going through different attorneys. So every time you get one, you get a motion to get a public defense attorney. Then you get them. Then you have to meet them. Then you have to have long enough to decide, "Mm, I hate them. Then you have to have a motion to get a different one. And then you have to wait to get that new one. And then repeat that six times. Another thing that Rosendo did and wanted to do was request a very specific translation service due to the language difference from his Guatemalan upbringing. Because he was a recent immigrant at the time of this, he didn't know English very well. And despite the fact that he did have multiple long, as in at least 45-ish minutes, conversations in a normal Spanish dialect, he was convinced that this would not suffice for his trial. And he requested that they bring in quite a pricey translator that they had to fly in. Wow. What a piece of shit. Yep. So, of course, he did that. So all of this is going on and we finally get to this trial. But the other thing I want to say here is, okay, first of all, I'm going to talk about Joseph Fennedy. 
Joseph Fennedy is a man who I'm going to call like the Gandalf of Betty Willis. Mm. He loves her. I've never seen anyone love anyone so much. And I don't even know if they ever met. To be honest with you. I love that. He is just so dedicated to bringing attention to her case to like showing people that any one case is not better or worse than others. And while there are certainly pressing and imminent priorities that have to be taken care of first, this shouldn't have been a six year down the priority list case. Right. But if he's if the defendant is the one delaying it. it. And he has the right to do that. Yeah. Then then he can do that, even though we disagree with it. And I think that it's important to note here that, yes, I think this should have been heard quicker because of our rights as citizens for that speedy trial. Mm -hmm. But if you, the defendant, are the one holding it up, I'm not going to hold that against you because I believe in that right. But that also means I'm not going to feel bad for how long you've put it on hold for yeah you've been incarcerated you've done that and also the the best way to avoid the situation for this particular guy is um to not rape and murder a person listen you can't go there all right that's just too it's too much sense and i'm gonna need you to think a little more in terms of like but but he wanted to i um he's a piece of shit yeah so there's that and now this is all saying like if this is truly the man who was responsible for this if not i don't know why he's playing these games but i would be motivated if i were him to be out of there if Mm -hmm. i am not actually responsible for this but i'm getting the sense i'm getting the feeling that he is um and what that's why i feel very comfortable sleeping at night tonight knowing that i'm calling him a piece of shit yeah Mm -hmm. no i think that's fair okay so The other thing that I did want to mention, though, here, with all of that being said, even though I am fine with the amount of time it took solely because it was his doing, Mm -hmm. well, at least very much in part from his doing, Mm -hmm. is that Orange County still should have said more. I, You know, I understand that in certain cases, there's only so many facts. There's only so much you can know about it. And there's only so much you can release before a case. I get all of that. I'm not asking them to show me their case files or their entire like preparation notes. You know what I mean? Right. What I'm saying is that almost no one in the media really covered this. Everything I've talked to you about for the last 4D minutes has been all that I've found. And I'm like asking you, check out the sources list. That's a full page of paper. And this is what I have. 40 minutes for you for an entire woman's life and death. That's not enough. It's not okay. It deserves something more. And Joseph Fennedy, the man who is obsessed with our girl Betty, he has like pretty much bent over backwards to share this story. He has an entire website about it. He goes on and does interviews everywhere. At the episode of True Crime Daily, interview with him. Like he is so rooted in this case and for him he's had interviews with orange county officials he's talked to people about this because that is his passion Mm -hmm. and so i will refer you to his website which is also linked if you have more questions on that because um this hasn't been my life's work this is a lot of his right but Hmm. he said that in the interviews he had it just didn't seem like a priority 
And that's really what hurts my heart here. Because even though, yes, we had COVID, even though, yes, you have rights to file emotions, even though time keeps on ticking, no matter what we do, someone was murdered. You have all of this evidence. And her daughter, Stephanie, is still out there. Her daughter had to be at every one of those hearings, every one of the motions, every one of the everything. Every time it got delayed. And that's a fucking tragedy. Because honestly, I could care less if he sat in there another six years before they formally charged him because it was him. They had the eyewitness testimony. They had cameras. It was a well-lit parking lot. There was no shadowy faces. There was no concern when the man with the pants down went running into a bush. And they grabbed him from that bush and it was still the same person. Uh Uh-huh. And... The pants were still probably down and they were like, oh, she was assaulted. Okay. Uh, Well, two and two is four here. So that is checking out. Like, I could give a shit about that. Mm -hmm. But for Stephanie, fuck that. There are other priorities. And don't get me wrong. I understand that. But this should be on that list. I agree. Again, ultimately, the trial doesn't even happen until late 2022. He is not convicted until August or September of 2023. Wow. And I will say, love this. But the jury found Rosendo guilty after like, it might have been a half hour or an hour of deliberation. They were like, yep, we're good. Tell me Elwap. Yep, Elwap. Thank you. He got a life without parole. And honestly, this is a huge fucking win for Rosendo because he could have gotten the death penalty. That is still very much an active and pursuable punishment in the state of California. It was when he was arrested. It is now. So I guess snaps for Rosendo because he didn't have to suffer the same fate he decided someone else would have to suffer. But also fuck Rosendo. <laughs> what a evil. Just and like that's so young yeah. to be full of that much rage and capable of that much horror and you said he was like a recent immigrant yeah why would you want to move here to then commit the ultimate crime to be locked away anyway yep did you not want to be here to do better to do more you know what i mean like because no um no qualms about it our prison system isn't like a five-star hotel no and so that's not really like the aspiration as far as i can tell well and you know that's not to say so for example there are some situations where especially in the winter um yep any someone who's unhoused might commit like a very petty crime to be arrested to spend a night in jail because it's better for that it's a warm bed it's meals it's a shower potentially it's something and sometimes that's what matters to them and and it's worth that situation but i'm removing this this guy from that category right it was january it was california so yeah i said it was chilly but it's california so let's not pretend there's ice on the ground and he's shivering also He immigrated here, I believe, for a better life. And I don't believe that better life included an 8 by 8 cell, a celly, and uh, whatever slop they're serving on Thursdays. No offense. And had he been violent before? Was this the very first time, right? Right. 
it's not like you're gonna have criminal records from a different country that's nope. gonna be uh that's very challenging no exactly that's an interpol job so it just makes you wonder was this the very first time he acted out violent and this is what it turned into or did he have a violent history that just nobody knows about that you're not gonna see and was it something that he had just gotten away with before right you know those are valid questions and at any time we talk about anybody like this like even when we talked about ted bundy the very first confirmed victim we were like that is way too violent Mm -hmm. for him to not have done something beforehand well and it's pretty brazen to attack someone sleeping in a well-lit shopping mall-esque like strip mall situation and you know that she was intentionally staying away from the encampment yeah because she obviously could have been there had she wanted to be but she wanted to be in a place that she felt safer unfortunately that safer place happened to be on the outskirts of the place that she was probably trying to stay away from right well and also part of me i'm kind of tossed up as to whether or not i believe that this was his first one part of me says yes because it can be it it seemed like the rape was the motive and the murder happened to sort of continue to do the thing that he wanted to do without getting caught doing right. it. But I to kill someone with your bare hands in the middle of violating their personal being to rape them. That's a lot. That's a lot for number one. That's not like a Saturday shoplifting to see if you get away with the pack of gum. You know what I mean? And an elderly woman doing that. Hurting anybody gets me. Hurting anybody to that extent gets me. Killing somebody gets me. And it being that age gets me too. Yeah. And she looks like the sweetest person and I probably would be friends with her. So that hurts again. Yeah. And everyone who knew her in her music days call her a hell of a talent. They say she had a voice that would have made it for sure. Bill Medley, the guy from the Righteous mm-hmm. Brothers duo... He said that he was convinced she was going to be huge, especially after their single that never got released where the producers started looking at it because he was like, oh, she's in the hands of great producers. And she chose to put her family first, didn't pursue that career. And it's almost like had she done that, (laughs) things could could have been different, but could not have because it wasn't like she gave up that career and became unhoused immediately. This was an active choice. And for some people, believe it or not, and I think it's hard for people to understand and hear, is some, not all, choose to be unhoused. That is where the comfort level lies. Would I choose that? No. But I don't make decisions for other people. I make decisions for myself. I don't have to agree with it. Right. And so... Well, and the other piece, too, mm -hmm. is it's their right. It's their right to choose what they would like to do, what they'd like to own. The problem ultimately becomes when there are people that need help that can't access it. But that's not what we're talking about today. Some people, and we don't have to get it, we don't have to like it. That's what Mm -hmm. they'd like to do. But I think that also in the criminal justice system, homelessness and unhoused people, specifically people without a mailing address, it can be really hard to get true justice on certain cases because you have to be able to contact someone you have to be able to find them 
if I wanted to do a wellness check mm-hmm. on Betty, I couldn't have even if I wanted to. Because what am I going to say? She's mm-hmm. under a tree that she likes. That's not no post office worker can get there. You know what I mean? At least not without spending the full day looking and yelling out her name. Yeah. And so it depends. I mean, it sounds like she was the kind of savvy woman that would have made sure that she had a place to check her mail. Oh, yeah. I don't imagine somebody who had a career in the post office was like, (laughs) I don't need a mailbox. Like, I'm sure that she had some kind of place that she could go and do that. But that requires you to go and seek that out and arrange that. Right. And so just... As a whole, not Betty specifically, but I think those are some of the challenges that we face is I'm so grateful that they got Rosendo that same fucking hour, because if they hadn't, what do you do with that? And where's the buy-in? Because we always talk about, and it seems to be a theme, I mean, everywhere, but California especially, where the most attention is drawn to the homeless because there's so many, but that either policing, either law enforcement can't keep up with it with the sheer number of cases or are actively choosing not to. You know, it wasn't that long ago that LAPD would classify dead sex workers as NHI, which was no human involved, meaning they weren't going to investigate their murders. Now, granted, this was a very long time ago, but to say that an unhoused or transient population is 100% always given and treated with dignity is not the case. Now, no. you're never going to have absolutes in anything, so right. sorry. Um, but it's a very real thing that exists. It's also extremely difficult to try to prosecute. So had this happened to Betty, but he wasn't found... Yeah, what do you do? He with wasn't that? quite literally caught in the act. You don't have somebody who's going to say, I know him, if he's a newer person to the area or he's transient and so he's not really staying in one place right. very long. Like, and this very easily, he could have very easily, like, slipped through their fingers and been on the run. And it would take somebody giving a shit about solving that case and pursuing finding him knowing that it's going to be difficult to do so because if he's homeless then there is no home there's no address to go knock on the door that you can confirm that you know of there's no search warrant that you're going to get for a location there isn't anything that you're going to be able to get where someone could easily get that on on uri right and video camera be damned if you don't know the guy and no one else is saying they know him And no one knows where he is because he hasn't been here long enough to have a favorite tree. Then where do you go? It's just a dead end. So I think this is a great case to sort of show a case that, yes, it was a little fucky. Yeah, there were some issues. And I'm glad that we were able to talk about that and bring them up. But ultimately, this is kind of the best case scenario for an unhoused and transient offender victim combo and I am so sorry and so sad that this was the end of Betty Willis's life she deserved so much better I just want to be friends with her same and I want to see her little sunnies yeah I want to get stamps from her yeah I want her to be like girl you want the ducks or the butterflies and I'd be like um both 
Be like, whatever, me whatever you want, Betty, because I trust your judgment. I know. She'd I give you the styling ones, too, I bet. You'd get me the good <laughs> good. No doubt. But, so yeah, that was the life and death of Betty Willis. And my little thoughts on some of the concerns that we face with that stuff. I'm still pissed that all I got was 40 minutes of information after God only knows how many sources. I know. It, it opens a bigger conversation. And are... Is every single person that's unhoused dangerous? No. Can they be, though? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, anybody has that potential, but being aware that it's it's very difficult to try to track somebody down that doesn't have a place to be, mm-hmm. then there is no, like, oh, I know they'll come back here, right? right? Like, there are none of those things. You have a bag on you. Your life is in that bag. So you're pretty mobile at that point so had they not caught him while he was there doing exactly what he was doing then he would probably be out and i'd probably have a lot less than 40 minutes which is not enough as is no no so not when we like to do like hours on the individual right but all of that being said please go check out some of betty willis's music um i really loved her cover of act naturally yeah. i think it's very cute and there's also something very sentimental and like <sighs> bittersweet but almost foreshadowy about some of the songs she sings like someday i'll be gone yeah i don't know we're at that day and that's a shitty day so i wish stephanie willis the best of everything given all of the circumstances it sucks i'm glad that there's finally some kind of resolution but um Ultimately, the first decision of found guilty was only on September, like either September or August of 2023. So there is more than enough time for an appeal to happen. There's more than enough time for him to appeal multiple things. And I guess we'll see where it goes. If I hear any updates, I'll let you know. But personally, my fingers are crossed. I hope this is the last we have to hear from Rosendo Peck. Yeah, I hope so, too. I would hate for him to get more words in his life than Betty had. Personally. It Couldn't was agree her words with you more. that brought her success in her life. And it was her words that brought success for her death story. So use your voice. It's powerful. And other than that, I mean, if you want to see her glam smile and her like rocking sunnies, if I can find a photo, I know that there's at least one. But if I can find it, I will get it on Instagram for you. But all of those, the people, places, things we talk about, they're going to be on Instagram. You can find our Instagram at about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word. So that is A-B-O-U-T period, T-I-M-E period, F-O-R period, T-R-U-E period, C-R-I-M-E period, P-O-D because podcast was too long. But if you wanted to DM us a picture of your cute little pod pet or... um all of the lovely things that you did to celebrate new year's and i don't know whatever cute fuzzy socks you wore to celebrate in your living room you can do that in our dms but if you wanted to send us something longer your take on a case your reflections a case recommendation you can do that over email but ali where would they email us so if you wanted to email us you would do that to about time the number four tc at gmail.com so that's a b o u t t i m e numeric four tc at gmail.com all right you guys as always don't forget follow rate subscribe all that good all that good good but um all that good good 
until then, I mean, I guess we'll see you next week. And I'm so excited for 2024. We got some good stuff planned. I know. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, do all the things. Send a picture of your pod pets. You know we want to see them. And we will see you next week. All right. And if I look at my watch, that was About about Time for True Crime. Bye. Oh, my gosh. (laughs)